Welcome our sister Karen back to us. We are so honored to have her here to deliver your word. We know that the words that come out of her mouth are from you. And we look forward to any time that Karen comes and leads us in our worship. And we're just so thankful for Karen, her family, and for you, of course, God, for being with us as we go through our day. So we lift it all up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. I'm such a fidgety person. And I always, uh, I never wear my hair down, so I'm like trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life. And um, I also, I play softball, and it's always, whenever I'm up at bat, it's the same thing. I get up to bat, and I have like a million little like twitches I have to get out of my system, like wiggle my leg and get in the right stance. Do I want my elbows up? Do I, you know, it's, it's a whole thing, and I, I'm kind of like that in life in general, so... When he's calling me up, I'm like, oh, gosh, my hair is going to annoy me, and I've got to make sure my pants are pulled up. And I'm just so, I'm just such an awkward person. So I apologize. You get to see me do all my, like, millions of twitches before I actually am like, okay, okay, here we go. All right. So, um, <clears throat> so I don't know about you guys, but since um, the whole pandemic, it's been kind of a weird opportunity to kind of figure out new things about ourselves. And one of the things for me... Whenever, um, so uh, I'm a youth pastor, so I work with teens and love it with every ounce of my soul. And it's been about 20 years that we've been, um, my husband and I have worked together in youth ministry. And um, it's such a different dynamic. When I'm speaking to teens, it's more of a discussion, not so much of like a speaking situation. And um, I move around a lot and I use my hands. And whenever I get the opportunity at church to speak, it's like behind a pulpit and there's a microphone and I'm such a loud, like I have a really loud voice. So I'm trying to gauge how loud I'm speaking and then I get all twitchy and weird like I just told you guys. And um, on coronavirus, one of the things I was thinking is whenever I speak, I always write out like a monologue because I'm so nervous and angsty about forgetting what I want to say. But then I end up kind of reading it and trying to make eye contact. So today... I'm experimenting with you guys, and I just made notes. So I am stretching myself and trying to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit, and I'm just depending on my notes rather than an entire monologue. So I'm sure I'll wake up at 2 in the morning and be like, oh, I totally forgot to say this thing, and I'm going to want to call all of you. I won't. But, yeah, so that's where we're at this morning. So you guys are going to, like, grow with me here, and, um, or you could just laugh at me a little bit. That's okay, too. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, Colossians 2, 6 through 7. It's just two short little verses, but there's so much packed in there um, that I wanted to talk about that this morning. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with fa- thankfulness. So something that kind of stands out to me about this particular verse is that it starts out with a reminder. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, and we can even just stop right there and focus in what does that mean, Christ Jesus as Lord? He's not just a consultant and he's not just a friend. He is our friend, 
but he's not just a friend. He is Lord. And it's really important. This verse acknowledges right off the bat, who is he in your life? Is he Lord? And, and what does that mean? What does that look like? Is he owner of everything? Is he the head of, of all that we are? Um, or do we, where do we prioritize him? Where is he prioritized in your life? Um, when we choose to accept Jesus and believe in who he is, it's not just a life-changing decision. I know like the whole trajectory of my life changed when I accepted Christ. I didn't grow up going to church. I had a, my family's, um, I was kind of brought up agnostic. My parents were really like, you know, what you believe, you believe. What you don't believe, you don't believe. They neither, they neither accepted nor denied. It was just kind of whatever. And they let me go to whatever church I wanted to with different friends, and, um, which I appreciated and valued. Uh, but when I came to that life-changing decision of accepting Christ, everything for me changed. It changed who I dated. Um, mind you, I was only 17. Um, but who I dated was Ezra, and then I married him. So clearly it changed my life because Ezra, he grew up going to church, and he had some very strong convictions about who Christ was to him, and Jesus was Lord of his life. And he wouldn't have dated me had I not had that same um, conviction had I not come to Christ. And he was kind of the one that was talking to me about who Jesus was and what it meant. And event- we were best friends. And eventually I came to know Christ. And then eventually we started, we started, we became boyfriend and girlfriend. We didn't really date. We still need to work on dating. Um, <laughs> um, not because of him. It's more me. I've got very divided attention, um, as you can see. So, uh, the, the reminder is that, that Jesus is Lord. So the trajectory of my life changed when I made that decision. But it's not just that it was life-changing. It was life-saving. It was life-saving. It's not just a right now while we're on earth, everything changes. But it's life-saving because it impacts not just here and now. It impacts eternity. So where I'm going to go after I die is very different than where I may have gone prior to knowing, knowing Jesus. And then it goes on to say, continue to live your life in him. So a lot of people tend to compartmentalize. We might have our work life, our school life, our friend life, um, our softball life, our sports life, whatever. And we might have, and and it's okay that it brings out different parts of who we are. That's natural and normal, right? And different friends bring out different strengths and weaknesses in us, and that's okay. But how much are we compartmentalizing where Jesus is coming with us or who we are in Christ in those different compartments because we're not supposed to make Jesus a big part of our lives. He's our whole life and he's supposed to be everywhere we are. So we can't just kind of put him in a box while we're playing softball with our friends or put him in a box while we go to work and have it like different attitude while we're there and then come to church on Sunday and there's where we open our spiritual box and that's when Jesus is alive and well in us and then we walk out the doors and kind of live a different life. Um, that's not the way it works with Jesus, right? He, he's not part of our life. He is life. He is life. And we are fortunate enough when we accept, accept him that we get to be a part of his plan. And um, sometimes we forget the order that we're supposed to do that in, and we don't want that to happen. Um, so we can't just make Jesus part of our life. We need to make our whole life about who Jesus is. And that's supposed to inform all the decisions that we're making. And a lot of times people, uh, if you get the opportunity to talk to somebody and share about Christ and they're a little bit 
nervous or hesitant to really walk into what that looks like, um, a lot of times it's because people are afraid of change. You know, there might be something that they're holding on to in their life, and they know if I walk with Christ, then I have to lay this down. I can't do this thing anymore. And we, we might see that as oppressive, but it's not. When we lay down those things that Christ wants us to lay us down, it's freeing. It's absolutely freeing. And um, we don't get to experience that freedom until we go for it, until we lay down those things that are kind of holding us back. Um, and it's scary. It's scary for a lot of people, and I think it's important that we acknowledge that it's okay to be scared when change is coming. The next part of the verse, it says to be rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So this last week, um, we have kind of a busy week. So uh, every year we bring a group of students up to youth camp. We go to Sky Mountain, which is like near uh, Truckee in that area. And we've been doing it for, Ezra's actually the longest standing camper. It was this, I don't know. you've. Ezra's been going since 1989. He was a middle schooler. And when he graduated from high school, he came back as a junior counselor and then came back as a counselor and then many years of counseling and then he became the tech guy. So for that's how long he's been going. I've been going that long. Um, But every year we go up to this camp, we bring students. It's like absolutely amazing. Well, the past two years, we haven't been able to go. And the, the church that kind of facilitates the running of camp and putting it on and all that kind of stuff. Of course, we couldn't go the first year of COVID. This year, we couldn't go also, even though things had just started opening up. It takes us a whole year to plan it because there's like 200 students there. And it's the, the churches that gather together for it. There's about nine churches that we all work together to plan it. It takes us the whole year to plan it. And because of you know, the uncertainties, it just we weren't able to do it. So two years without camp. And a little heartbreaking because um, it's not just for the students. Some of us love it just as much. And, you know, we like to go out and get dirty and play games. And um, what we decided to do, our youth leadership team, was maybe try to bring a little bit of camp to our students this year. And um, we called it BTN Week, um, which stood for better than nothing. Uh, <laughs> We didn't want to hype it up because, um, like Ezra, he had this great tagline. He said, uh, we're going to under-promise and over-deliver. <laughs> because we didn't want to set the bar so high as, as camp. Because camp is amazing. We didn't want them to come into BTN week thinking like, oh, it's going to be like camp. Because we cannot replicate that. Uh, but what it is, it, it was better than nothing. So we had Tuesday through Friday. Um, and then Friday we concluded with a lock-in. So we were just doing from 5 p.m. till 8.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, started at 5, and then we did a lock-in overnight until Saturday morning. So um, during this week while we were doing all these things with students, um, the, it started building. Like Tuesday, we had about 30 kids come, and then Wednesday, we had about 32, 33. Thursday, we had like 34, 35, and then Friday, overnight, we ended up having, I think, like 40 students um, that spent the night with us. Uh, Um, at a church that we work together with for for youth ministry. And um, one of the things we talked to them about was Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. It says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So we wanted to talk to the students that we had there this week, which now I'm going to talk to you guys about it a little bit. 
um, about the difference between new growth versus an established plant. Do any of you guys garden? Are any of you guys gardeners? So you know when you have like that new little plant that's popping through the soil, if you were to grab it and pull it, it's going to come right out. Because those roots are just so, they're little baby roots and they haven't really planted hard. But if you go outside and grab a tree and yank it with all your might, it's probably not going to come up because those roots have like tapped down and are digging deep and they are really firmly rooted in the ground. And um, this verse is talking about getting rooted and established in love. So when we're established in God's life-giving love, our roots grow deep and thick, and we are grounded. And there can be changes tossing around all around us, but we are so planted and so deep, we're not just going to be plucked up. But it's also something that we have to look out for for others who are newly planted, because they can be plucked up. And we want to kind of protect them with that that love and kind of teach them how to dig their their roots deep, right? may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep and love the, uh, the love of Christ is. So what's interesting about thinking about that love is a lot of people don't know that love, and that can be scary. You know, um, when they're just a newly planted little sprig coming up from the ground, it's easy to get uprooted, and we want to make sure that people can have a safe place to root because you're not going to root somewhere where there's not love. Right? And unfortunately, there's a lot of people whose experience in life is to not, not have that love around them. Some people grow up in families where they don't know what love looks like. And as church family and people who are established in the love of Christ, we have to display what, what does that love look like? What does that feel like? Is it safe? So it's something I think as, as a church, as a you know, big church, we represent multiple churches. Um, are we a safe place for people to root? Like right here at, at uh, New Hope, which is one of my favorite places to come, um, is it a safe place? Is it a safe place for people to come and establish roots? So my experience here has been that I can come and just bring notes, which is completely outside of my safe zone, and feel like you are a group of people that are going to accept me when I totally mess up, or I get off track, or when it becomes very apparent that I have ADD, and... <laughs> You know, that uh, my, my thoughts can be tossed in the wind and I have to kind of look for them and refile them in a moment. Um, I uh, short, uh, actually it was before coronavirus happened. Well, not happened, but, you know, ports kind of swept through. Um, I was at the grocery store and I ran into two of you. Who was it? <coughs> yes. Yeah, you two. Yes. So I saw you at the grocery store and it was so funny because um, usually you guys just see me on Sundays and I try to look a little better than I usually do. And then, <laughs> so this is not the norm, right? My son, my oldest son, who's not here this morning, he said, you look really nice, Mom. I'm like, thanks, man. You know, like, straightened my hair in order to curl it. Those of you that have curly hair know what I'm talking about because you have to straighten it before you can curl it. Um, all this stuff. Uh, but when I saw you guys at the grocery store, I was, like, in athletic shorts and, you know, probably wearing sandals because the shoes are required at the store. And, uh, you know, like a t-shirt that probably had a whole lot of other people's stuff on it. My hair was how my hair always is, just like a big mess on top of my head. And um, I have blonde eyebrows, and I'm sure that you probably couldn't even tell my expression because they just can't see them. All the stuff, like all the things. And you guys, you were so delightful. You smiled at me and said hi, and I got to chat with you for a little bit. And I'm like, I love New Hope. 
<laughs> love, like, you even recognize me. That's like step one. That's great. You know, thank you. And um, I genuinely just felt like, oh, these are my friends. These are people that I can see and know and trust that, you know, they're going to love me even if I'm half awake and, you know, I don't even know what I was there for. It was a while ago, but something you grocery story. Yes, you did. Yeah. And, you know, we were just Thank you. And Thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny. You don't notice it with other people. You think, oh, you're just as beautiful as you always are. But then when you, you're thinking about yourself, you're like, oh, I kind of look a little bit like trash today, but okay. <laughs> uh-huh, you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm just going to pretend like I looked like this. <laughs> so anyway, um, but thinking about you guys as a church, you guys have been through so many changes, so many changes. And it's been one after the other, right? You guys went through some major transitions and you weren't even settled from that. And then we had a global pandemic kind of sweep in and, you know, it's, there's, it's kind of hard to really find your footing and know what's next, you know? And when you're established in God's love, you don't necessarily have to know what's, what's next to be able to just love each other and love other people, right? Because that's the foundation of who Jesus says we are. We are rooted and grounded in love. And so all these changes are happening. And as a church, it's hard to find your footing. But the foundation of it is that love that you are deeply planted in. And so it's important to think about what does that look like for others when they walk in the door? You know, if you guys knew that I cuss sometimes, would you be okay with me? Would you still accept me? You know, if you guys knew that, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of deep, dark secrets, but I really don't have any. But I do cuss sometimes. I'm not lying about that. Um, and usually it's my daughter, Zion, who's like, Mom, the cussing. Sorry. You know? She calls me out on it. And then Ezra usually responds with something like, oh, no, it's okay. She's a pastor. You know, something that, something a little convicting. But I'm just going to be real. I actually don't feel convicted about it. <laughs> I cuss sometimes. All right. Um, moving on, I feel safe saying that. Getting a little too safe. All right. Uh, but what about what if what if I were to invite one of my friends here, who's a member of the LGBTQ community? Would they feel safe? Would they feel loved? Would they know that the love of God applies to them as well? And how would they be treated? How would they be looked at if you knew that uh, um, somebody here in the congregation was gay, or that they had a gay child, or you know, or they, you know, um, I don't know, all the things. Would they feel accepted and loved? Is this a place where it's safe to be, um, to share parts of you that maybe don't feel safe to the rest of the world sometimes? Or maybe they feel safe to the rest of the world but don't feel safe at church because that's not okay. It's not okay for somebody to feel safer in the world than they do in church because our roots are supposed to be thick. And our love is supposed to be deep and wide if we're replicating the love of God, right? Because it's hard to wrap our minds around that kind of love. And it doesn't mean it's a love without boundaries. We can have boundaries. But the love is free-flowing. So what will people walking in the doors here, what will they learn about God from this church family? And if people leave this church, because people come and go, life changes, we move, we, you know, different things, different calls happen. Um, will their roots in God have been strengthened for their time that they were called to be here? Will they be able to take their experiences that they had here, and will they be able to grow wherever they go? And will they have learned new things that they can go then and share, and things that they've learned other places can they come here and share? 
So when you're in a community of people, as you guys know, um, you care about them. You care about those people. You care deeply. Um, even sometimes people you don't like. You find that you love them deeply and dearly, even during times that you don't like them. Um, and in this community right here, can people be honest about what they're going through, whether it's good or bad? And will they feel loved? How we respond in people's darkest times can speak about who God is in action. So what kind of people are we? When somebody's going through their deepest, darkest times, what does that love look like? Um, When people aren't a part of a community of believers, they still can find support. Like I told you, I grew up in a family that didn't go to church. My parents are good, honest, kind people. Um, they, uh, my dad always volunteered with Red Cross and taught, you know, CPR and all that kind of stuff. My mom, she had a saying when we were in high school, she always said, what's one more potato in the pot? Meaning we could bring any friend home ever. And, um, I mean, we would let her know, but we didn't have to ask. A friend could always come over. Um, unless of course it was a boyfriend or girlfriend and nobody else was home. There were rules about that, you know, because parenting, um, uh, but, you know, I, I loved that. I loved that I had these parents who um, showed us what it meant to volunteer, to love the community, and also to be welcoming and open to friends. Um, but people can find that in the world outside of the church, right? This is a, my family. We didn't um, go to church, but still there was love. There was an established, you know, foundation of love. And um, the tricky thing about that is when you can find love and kindness in the world— then what makes the church attractive? What makes people want to seek out who God is and what that love looks like here? Um, When people are in financial ruin or they've lost a job or they've lost a home, we've seen a lot of that over the past couple years, right? Over this year and a half, um, so many changes have happened for people that have been a huge struggle. Um, Or when you have a child that's struggling or losing their way or walking away from Christ, uh, when you're, you have a family member, you yourself are dealing with some kind of addiction. When you might be grieving the loss of a loved one, which um, is a pain you hope nobody ever feels, but unfortunately all of us experience it sometime. Um, you need a God to lean on. And there is no God. There is no God. There is no rock like Jesus Christ. So when we talk about making Christ our Lord, there are lots of different things people can make their God. You know, it can be the Sunday morning football game. It can be, um, you know, the, their time alone, just walking in the park. That can be what they're prioritizing, which is good. You know, you need certain things you're prioritizing. But who is Lord? Who's that God you're going to lean on in those extreme situations? Because... The rock that we have to lean on is a solid ground. It's a solid rock. And we want to be able to be his love in this world. We want to be an example of what that looks like. And what does that mean? What needs to change within us? Or what do we need to grow within us? Maybe some of us are doing pretty well. We're on track where we need to be. Maybe some of us are not. Maybe there's some convictions we have in our heart that we know we need to change. And we're not doing it. Um, But nonetheless, all of us are called to grow. All of us are called to love. So we need to figure out what that looks like as a community, too. Um, And then we also need to ask, as a church, are we a safe place to plant roots? If we have a new family that were to come in, is this a place where they could plant roots? Is this a place where those roots 
will be nurtured, where those roots are going to grow. So then the next part of the verse is overflowing with thankfulness. Um, that's one of my favorite parts. Because when, when, my, when the trajectory of my life changed, when I made that life-saving decision to follow Jesus, um, what came with that was an overflowing of thankfulness. Because it's like my eyes were opened to so much more than just this little tiny dot on the timeline that we get on earth. And there's all of eternity. And there's so much that comes with that, right? When we lose a loved one, it's not just this dot in time. We have all of eternity. And um, we can examine all of these questions and ask what vision we may have for sharing the love of Christ. Um, In my experience being here, I believe that the New Hope family um, is a church that desires to love. This is a church that, in my experience, desires to love. Love each other, love others. And um, you guys, like I said, you've, <laughs> you've been through so much change. Um, you guys probably write a book about how to weather different storms. Um, so much, and, and the thing is, what's interesting about it is because you already had kind of been going through a lot of changes, and then all this stuff happened, and the world is going through all these changes, you are people that are a very valuable resource to the world and to the community on what it looks like to weather change and how to still love through change and how to still grow through change. And um, you guys kind of know how to pivot with those changes. And some of you, I'm not saying, like, it's easy, right? Some of you may be struggling with those changes, and it's okay to struggle, and it's okay to acknowledge that you struggle. And look around you at your New Hope family and know these are people I can say, hey, this kind of sucks right now. My life say sucks at church. You know, this is what happens when a youth pastor is behind the microphone. I'm not sure what's appropriate, what's not appropriate for, you know, uh, for adults. Uh, um, but you guys, you have experience pivoting through changes, and you are such a valuable resource to the community because you have deeply established roots of love and experience going through change, even as you're still going through it. It's been a while. And um, more change is going to come, right? You guys probably, more than anybody know, the changes are never going to stop. You might find some easy level ground for a little bit, but then changes are going to come. More change is going to come. And change can be good. Change can be bad. Uh, But even with good change, there's some stress involved. Because change is hard, even great change. It's hard, and it's stressful. Just like um, you guys just had uh, your third grandbaby. Babies are such a precious, wonderful, exciting thing, and they are also very stressful. (laughs) Babies are stressful. They cry, and they're demanding, and um, you're scared because it's like the most terrifyingly awesome experience ever to become a parent or grandparent. I don't know about the grandparent part. Hopefully, I've got a little bit to go. Um, But, uh, you know, when we're making... Christ Lord, we can weather changes because we know that ultimately he's in control. And even when others are making poor choices and stepping outside of his will, and sometimes we can be victim of free will, other people's free will, and uh, it's an awful experience, but we know that God's love is still that grounding factor that we have, and we know that he is that, those hands that are going to hold us. And we are called to be hands that are holding others as well, his hands. And... Um, I want all of us, as individuals and as a church family and as representatives of you know, the church as a whole, uh, as we're living our lives in him and getting rooted and built up in him and strengthened in the faith, that we would seize every opportunity that God is giving us to 
to make Jesus Lord. Whatever that looks like in your life. Because it's different. As unique as, as individuals as we are, that's how many different ways that there are for, it to, for us to express God's love to others. Um, and I want us to share the depth of God's love with others in a way that would be bringing God glory. That's where sometimes the rubber hits the road, right? Like, okay, I've got that love. I'm rooted in it. I'm grounded. And now I'm commissioned to go out and share this love with the world. And some of us, like, put our brakes on because that's a big, scary place. Um, but that's our call. And not all of us, um, as we go out, you know, not everybody's called to be the hands and the feet. Some of us are, like, the skin or the kneecaps, you know. Um, I was at a church recently. One of the things the pastor said that I, I thought was pretty funny um, uh, he was uh, talking about how people are called to be the hands, the feet, this and that. And he said, you know, have you ever seen a beautiful woman step out of a car and you see her legs? And I was like, where is he going with this? Oh, my gosh, you know. Um, and he said, and you see those legs, and you're like, wow, she has really nice legs. How often do you hear somebody say, man, I bet she has a nice liver? And I was like, <laughs> and uh, he said his point was, you know, if you cut off somebody's legs, they can survive. You can live without legs. You can't live without a liver. You need a liver. And his, his point was that, you know, there are different parts of the body of Christ. And some of those parts are out in the open and visible. And some of those um, parts are the working parts in the background that without it, it would cease, like, just things would fall apart. And so we need all those parts working together, right? And um, as a community that's going through lots of changes and will go through more changes, Make sure all your working parts are working together, you know, and we aren't just valuing the upfront beautiful legs stepping out of the car. We need our liver and um, all the different parts that, that make everything run smoothly. Um, and make sure that all the things that we're doing, every choice that we're making is bringing glory to God. I want to read you guys that first verse one more time. Maybe. Yeah, there we go. All right. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Think about every little part of those verses and and what our role is in that. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your love that's deep and wide. And I pray, God, that um, through any struggles that we're facing, uh, through hardships and challenges, uh, whether, whether it brings good change or bad change, Lord, um, that we'd remember that our roots are planted deep in you and that you would help us in these like, simple earthly minds that we have to comprehend the depth and the width and the height of your love, God, and that we can take that love and show the world that you are a God that is needed. Father, that through all the trials and tribulations, God, that the love that we have would be set apart from the support that the world can show, God, because you are a rock. There is no rock like you. And I pray, Father God, that we can live that out and share it with others and that we can be a home, a home base for people that need to establish roots. Father God, I just pray that the New Hope community, that this church right here, Father God, that you would open up your floodgates and that you would bless these people, Lord, as they desire to love you and show love. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.